But I think that's probably part of it. Uh, a comfort around men, maybe, in a way that, that, mm-hmm. that heterosexual women don't have, at least in a platonic way. Um, mm-hmm. And lesbians are, of course, good with their hands. Oh, I never thought of that. We knew Katie would bring a new edge to this, didn't we? Because <laughs> we wouldn't have thought of that one, to be fair. My name is Kathleen Stock. And my name is Julie Bindle. And this is the Lesbian Project podcast, all the sapphic traffic of anyone who wants more lesbian in their life. And we are here. I am in England and Julie is in Toronto. And we have a very special guest today. Our first ever guest, in fact, Katie Herzog. Welcome to our Th- podcast. Thank Welcome, you so Katie. much for having me. I um, I dress for the occasion. I'm wearing my most lesbian outfit, which means I'm wearing my wife's clothes. <laughs> ah, <perfect>. <laughs> good, <laughs> good, good, good. Um, well, you, wear... you look suitably leather. Yeah, you do. Um, and you're going to be on yeah, screen uh, uh, for our audience as well, so they'll see the full glory. Well, for the people who can't see me, I'm wearing a hoodie and a uh, and a tie dye shirt that my wife got in fifth grade. So, wow, very gay. She's still yes. wearing stuff that she can she, she can fit she, into. That's amazing. She's not. I am. She was a she was a, a chubby fifth grader. <laughs> I'll, I should just say at the beginning of this that I am quite hungover today because I went out to an award ceremony last night and stayed up very late. So I'm don't really know what's going on so Julie you can you can lead us into whatever's about to happen next well you know thanks for this Kathleen because I'm actually <laughs> jet lagged and hungover so worse than your situation oh, shit. we'll we'll find do you out want me that. to lead it I can lead it I'm, <laughs> I think, I'm, I'm neither jet lagged nor hungover no just, I feel like that do... would be a embarrassing more embarrassing no well, well I think we um... should let Katie work come on we're paying her a huge amount <laughs> no, of money no 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 we can do this Julie so um we can I think we should introduce Katie to our to people that don't know her. I'm sure everyone does because Katie is the host of or one of the hosts of Blocked and Reported, which is an extremely uh, brilliant and successful podcast that I'm sure lots of you listen to already. And you live in Seattle, is that right? Do you still I, live in Seattle? I do. I don't live in the city. I live outside the city, like an hour ferry ride. I'm currently in, this is embarrassing to say, but I'm currently, uh, I'm in North Carolina. I bought, um, I bought a second home because, um, because I, I, I couldn't handle the Seattle winter. Um, so my, my, my current home is currently being renovated. So I'm in North Carolina, at my parents' house, and hopefully my dad won't walk into his office demanding to use his, his office anytime soon while we're doing this. Well, we're unashamedly bourgeois on this podcast, so don't you worry Perfect. about that. And actually, both of Perfect. you, happy International Lesbian Podcast Day. What? Oh, is, is it? it? I thought it well, was Trans Day of uh, Remembrance or or Reconciliation, one of those. No, that we was just two met, days no. ago. No. Okay. okay. No, this is switched. now officially the 22nd of November, International Lesbian Podcast Day. We've called it. Oh, I see. Right. Well, why we not? Are the, okay, fine. Yes, absolutely. We'll Everyone in, else does. In the diary for next next year. Um, but to, but maybe to we should just say a bit about what Blocked and Reported is about, Katie, because um, you basically look, as far as I, well, I've listened to it, so I think I've got the gist. You list, you talk about internet madness. Is that fair? Yeah. Um, yeah. Summary? That is, it's sort of a... Uh, the the true way of putting it, it's sort of a gossip show, um, which I've I've come to I've, I'm I'm living with that. I've realized that that's really what it is. Um, it's it's media criticism. A lot about it is is about 
what's happening on the internet. Je- both my co-host and I, Jesse, uh, spend way too much time on Twitter, although he pretends that he doesn't these days. So it's about what's happening mm-hmm. there. And of course, a lot of it is about the left. We're both liberal and it's about social movements on the left, uh, specifically, most specifically, of course, uh, what's happening in the gender wars. Although we do try mm. to avoid talking about the gender wars every week so people don't then we all, then we So all. do we. So do we. But, yeah. um, you do. I mean, the reason that I have had any contact with you, Katie, is because of the gender wars, because you reached out to me really early on when I started to run into um, some trouble that way. Um, and you have your own early. I mean, you were a forerunner, really, weren't you, of um, the cancelled in this domain? Not as much as Julie. But oh, that's true. Yeah. No one, no I'm one, sort of the, yeah. I'm like the second, wave, the second wave feminist, second wave, exactly. <laughs> so, but you, um, is it so you wrote a, a piece on detransitioners, didn't you, for, for the stranger, and then got a lot of yes. shit from various morons on the internet, thereby setting your yes. career. <laughs> yes, I should, I should send them a fruit basket. Yes, this was in 2017. And Seattle is a city, Seattle is, is Portland with more money. Uh, so it's, you can sort of imagine the, imagine the, the social uh, dynamics there. So of course there were, I got lots of shit on the internet, but it was also a lot of shit in person, which of course mm-hmm. you're both familiar mm-hmm. with, which uh, mm-hmm. makes the experience a little bit stranger. Um, yeah. People mm. put up stickers calling me a transphobe and put up pictures of my face. They used a, a photo of a, uh, a live stream I did or a YouTube I did with Megan Murphy and thankfully they used a very cute picture of both of us uh, they did call us Nazi sympathizers but at least they used a nice photo yeah, and, yeah they put mm. those stickers up around Seattle yeah they burned stacks of the newspaper and sent me video of it so I got <laughs> I got the I got so, the in-person stuff as well so charming these people always so charming mm-hmm. um, yeah. and imaginative but... as well who'd have thought about burning books and other materials that they find mm. offensive I know. Where could they have got the idea from? Right. <laughs> but you so, know, it's crazy though, isn't it? Because you know, you your your article should have been embraced by proud trans people who don't want unhappy regretters or whatever, right. however they refer to them in their midst. But instead it was something terrible. And all of a sudden, these formerly trans people that had detransitioned were the enemy they were themselves transphobic i mean talk us through that a little bit yeah that was sort of what uh, what yeah that that was kind of what the piece was about and that's why i was really interested in this i had you know I've, i've been in the for lack of a better term queer community for 20 years at that point i guess not quite 20 years at that point and so i'd known trans people for a long time but i had just started to to be aware of the existence of detransitioners. I hadn't met any in person then. And what I found from watching their videos on on YouTube and hearing them speak was that they were, as you well know, that they were really shunned by their communities. And that's what I found interesting about it was that the people that I spoke to said that it was harder to come out as detrans than it was right. to come out as trans. Right. And I found that I, I found that dynamic very interesting. Um, you know, they talked about the all of the the social repercussions of this and then of course I experienced them myself and I did you know in the piece if I if I went back and read the piece today which I would not do um it's sort of like reading your diary from from years ago there's so many things about it that you just cringe um mm-hmm. I I was so careful 
to sort of signal that I was one of the good ones, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. to sort of um, talk about the crazy right wing and, uh, you know, and, mm. and yeah, and not like one that. of those awful people. Right. <laughs> right. And it didn't help. It didn't help at all. Um, and no. I thought, you know, my own identity as a as a lesbian and a, a friend of trans people, an mm -hmm. actual because I actually did have trans friends that that would matter at all. And of course, it didn't. It probably nothing, makes it worse. Does. It makes yeah, it, it makes worse it worse because it it's You're the narcissism of small differences. Exactly. Like you are in the tribe, and people might confuse, might get confused and listen to you. So you must be uh, put out. Right. Um, I mean, yeah. people spend so much more time complaining about the two of you or Jesse Signal, Signal, whatever his name is, uh, <laughs> than they do. Uh, you know people with actual power in the United States, people like yeah. Texas attorney generals, they don't Ooh. really care about yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, I've thought and a lot about that though. I think I think there is some rationale to it because because you see it in the in the gender critical feminist movement as well. Like they there's there's factions mm -hmm. there and they spend they have so many so much energy devoted to hating on certain figures who have so little power yes. relatively speaking. But then yes. I think that people th think I will try and control or make a um, change the outcome to what I can control. And I have no yeah. hope of, you know, um, displacing the Texas attorney general or whatever, but I can ruin the reputation of this bitch. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I think that's right. right. But also if they force us into a room as lesbians with gay men, bisexuals, stranglers, kitten shaggers, whoever, <laughs> Who? then... What? I mean, it, bisexual it's, is clearly being the worst of all of yes, those exactly. by far. <laughs> Dear. Yes. I mean, if we're forced into a so-called fake community with people, not only with whom we have nothing in common, but that we that we have very opposing values and politics and needs to. Mm. How are they surprised when we start fighting? I mean, I remember once meeting and he will not be named but an absolute dickhead who writes for a liberal newspaper when nobody really knew him. And I met him in the green room of some TV um, programme that we were both on. And he said, oh, I'm really pleased to meet you, but I don't know why we're on opposite sides, because it was one of those debate things, because we're both on the left and we're both LGBTQ. And I said, I haven't got time to be all those things at the same time. I can't. What are you talking about? How can I be LGBTQ? I mean, it's basic semantics. How are they expecting yeah. us to mm. rub along if if they tell us that we're friends with them when we've never actually wanted to be? We've never wanted to play nicely. Well, do, is that how you feel, Katie? Did you was there a time when you wanted to <clears throat> be part of a bigger scene? I mean, I, I was part of a bigger scene. Um, and I will say, Julie, I have met some people in recent years who have been LGBT and Q. Um, mm. Lots of lots of identity switching these days. Right. Um, I, but I was part of a, a, a bigger scene. I mean, when I was younger, I was. Let's see, I so I came out around the year 2000. So I was I was in the that wave of culture where sort of lesbianism was big for a moment but very sort of l word uh the ellen show pop culture was mm. was embracing lesbians culture was embracing lesbians in the u.s but very quickly it became all about queer and i was a part of that for a while because i was young and i liked to go out drinking and that was just sort of my my lifestyle 
And I was I was very much a part of that. And there were always there were always trans guys in that scene. And at the time, trans guys were I think most of us just sort of thought of them as like extra butch. And they were welcome in that scene in a way that males would not have been. They were welcome at lesbian bars. Lesbians dated them. And there was an acknowledgement that there was something different about trans men and men. The idea that, you know, trans men are men or trans women are women, clap emojis, Mm. was would have that would have been insulting. Yeah. Because they Mm -hmm. considered themselves trans men. And so they were always a part of that scene. And then it wasn't until later, you know, in more recent years that the that the dogma sort of changed to this, you know, assigned sex at birth, you are whatever you say you are, and the and things got ideologically stranger. Um, but I, I didn't have any any problem with that mm-hmm. uh, when I was younger. It was just it, you know, and it really wasn't until I started seeing people transition in really large numbers that's when I started to question what was happening. So for me, it really started around 2012. And I've told this story before, but I was living in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I was good friends with a trans guy. And he lived in a house that had been five, it was either four or five women in this house, including him, they were all lesbians, and he transitioned. And he was one of these guys who sort of probably would have fit the metric for, you know, insistent, persistent gender dysphoria at a young age. He thought, you know, as a little kid, he thought he was a boy. Um, His parents or his grandparents raised them, but they were comfortable with that. They sort of raised him. He was a tomboy, but they sort of raised him as a boy. And he so he transitioned in his, I guess, probably mid 20s. And within a year, all of his roommates transitioned as well. So you had, I can't remember, four or five. But but so. So I saw that and I thought, this is impossible. The mm. numbers here, we know that trans people make up less than one of the one percent of the population. How did you all just happen to find each other in this like town yeah. in North Carolina? This makes no sense. And that was my first sort of inkling of like, oh, something is changing here. And then mm. within, but I thought that was an anomaly. And then within, you know, the next three or four years, it was really rapid after that. I started seeing butches in particular either transition or yeah. or declare themselves non-binary and change their names and pronouns mm-hmm. at just a really rapid clip yeah um mm-hmm. you know i, I really I, I feel like i should keep a spreadsheet at this point to just keep <laughs> track of everybody's new names and pronouns it happens right. so quickly um and so for me that was when things shifted and that's when i started saying like something else is going on here this isn't you know mm-hmm. there's always been trans guys in the scene and some trans women sort of on the periphery of these queer scenes that i lived in no big deal yeah. But when the numbers just started to 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 rise exponentially, it was like there's this is different. This is different. Yeah. I was just gonna say, why do you did you have any reflections at the time about why there was so little critical thinking going on about it, apart from you? I mean, you like it seems obviously like something's up. Like even even that original trans guy must have thought, what the hell? <laughs> why are you all copying yeah, me <laughs> yeah right yeah I, you know I think that queer people tend to be like to think of themselves as uh, as iconoclastic difference alternative and actually our followers like everybody else I think mm-hmm. that's sort of what it comes down to is that most people we are a a species that is mimetic we follow others behavior 
social pressure is immense, uh, immense in terms of enforcing behavioral yeah. norms. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that the queer community is no different than any other community. You know, I, I remember being in a bar in Seattle. Um, this was maybe five or six years ago. And I was there with a bunch of queers, you know, a bunch of people who would have called themselves lesbians 10 years before, but maybe 15 years before, but were calling themselves queers. And we're at this bar and this group of girls walked in, a group of women, and they were all dressed alike. And they were like sort of preppy looking, you know, or what, I don't know what the equivalent would be. Like just normal, pretty girls all had the same boots, had the same jeans, had the same shirt on, same basic haircut. And one of my friends looked at them and said, God, they're all just sheep. And I looked around at the group that I was in and they're all wearing <laughs> the exact same thing. It's all black leather. You know, it's all, it's all, it's a different look, but it's all yeah. the same, right? Yeah. And right. I, just, I don't think that that queers as much as they like to think of themselves as different right. or any different than any other, any other group of mm-hmm. group. When it well, comes no. To- Makes and you sense. see that in the way that they get cancelled. I mean, sorry, where totally. they the way they cancel people, um, so generic. Yes. Like the language is the same, totally. the look is yeah. the same. I and I I know how to scan an environment for the people that will cause me problems because they're all wearing really stupid specs. <laughs> you know, they've yeah, all, no, it's got certain kind of spectacles yeah. that I'm just like, oh shit, red flag, red flag. Yeah, the problem is though now yeah. is that the the queers that are against us have stopped dyeing their hair blue. You now see mm. six, 60 year old women dying their hair blue <laughs> who are completely Triggered. heterosexual out in the northeast yeah, of England on a night out. I was just yeah, there recently yes. and I thought, oh, my God, there's a load of blue fringes. And I thought, no, they're women who are straight <laughs> out on the lash. <laughs> oh, no. And <laughs> we don't know what to do anymore. How are we going to protect ourselves? Right. OK. You need to be able to, well, yeah, you need to be able to judge people by their appearance immediately. Well, yeah, have you been to exactly. Sweden, Katie? Have you been to Sweden? Every single woman there I've over never the age Sweden. of 40. Don't go. You'd get yourself into real trouble. <laughs> well, they, they all look, all like, look dykes. like lesbians. Yeah. Yeah, they do look like like dykes. It's and everyone is yeah. from my hometown. <laughs> Sorry. Oh shit, we better cut our bit out. <laughs> Actually, I need to explain uh or at least recount something happened to me last night. Um, excitingly. Oh. I was at this ceremony and um I went to the ladies. And I was wearing it, so I'm quite tall and I've got very short hair and I was wearing a man's suit, so fair enough. But um, they had uh, people on the doors, which you, you know, apocryphally, I always thought you didn't have any, ever have anyone on the on the bathroom doors, but they did have uh, an Eastern European woman on the, on the bathroom door. And as I went into the ladies, she shouted at me and kind of almost dragged me out. I went, no, wrong bathroom. Oh, <laughs> wow. Yes. Perfect. <laughs> I mean, I have... <laughs> I have been misgendered. I am misgendered quite well, accurate, uh, missexed quite frequently, but um, it's never yeah. been that dramatic before. And everyone around me absolutely froze, like there's this been this terrible faux pas. <laughs> and oh my god, she's gonna sue somebody. But you were so, delighted, um, and actually I that was. reminds. But that reminds me of uh, I was just thinking there. Lesbians should demand our own bathroom, but no, let's not do that because the lesbian nights out that I used to have back in the 1980s were horrific. There were only two cubicles, about 200 women. And some of them would literally be slashing in the sink. I mean, changing mm-hmm. their moon cups. It looked like a scene of Dexter when you were walking. <laughs> it was absolutely oh, hell. <laughs> anyway, but let's move on from that, shall we? We've Thank done God. Sheep like behavior has moved on. At least we're not all like copying <laughs> each other and emptying our moon cups that in way. the sink. Right. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Talking of the old days, Julie, as we just were, um, 
you um, reminded me that this week uh, was the repeal of Section 28, wasn't it? Ooh. In fact, it was on my birthday because um, I've had well, a birthday this week. Okay, and, it was... and, and I, I missed your birthday, Kathy. I'll buy I know, you a margarita. I'm sorry. Thank you. But um, so you reminded me that back in uh, when Section 28 came about, and perhaps we, you should explain what Section 28, there was a lot of direct action and um, lesbian direct action in particular. So I've been looking oh. at clips of um, lesbians abseiling into the House of Lords, for instance. But first, why don't you explain to anyone who doesn't know what Section 28 was? Well, Section 28 was a pernicious piece of legislation brought in by Margaret Thatcher's government, and it became law in 1988, and it forbade local authorities, public kind of services, to give any kind of positive spin. In other words, it had to be either a negative spin or nothing at all about same-sex identity or relationships. So one of the big things was about pretend families. Many lesbians had children from previous heterosexual relationships some of them had them with their female partners via a turkey baster. We'll put that in the show notes, everyone, in case you don't know what a turkey baster is. <laughs> they do. It's Thanksgiving. And, of course they know. Yeah, yeah but yeah, okay. This is a different type of use for the turkey baster. Never use the turkey baster for both of those things. Anyway, so, so there were lesbians who had kids. Gay men hadn't started with the kind of renting a womb, having babies through surrogacy. We legally, we weren't allowed to adopt but mm. we took great offence at our families, however we constructed them, being called pretend. And there were all kinds of other issues, of course. So teenage, um, you know, gay and, and lesbians at school who were being bullied, who weren't even allowed to speak uh, about, you know, being gay unless they said, and it's shit and I hate it. Either way, it became very clear that what was happening with the gay men in trying to protest it and repeal it, was that they were saying things, not all, but I love generalization as everybody knows. They were saying things like, please, please just accept us, tolerate us. We just want to be tolerated. We're just the same as you. We're no different except we've got some kind of kink in our gene. We can't help it, so please don't punish us. The lesbians and another generalization I know, but th there was a big difference. We're saying things like, we love being lesbians. Every day we wake up, we thank God that we're a lesbian. This is fantastic. Give us a pill to make us heterosexual, we'll spit it out. And so we decided to do quite adventurous things. Now, there were some great actions that I wasn't involved in, and I really wish I was. One was lesbians abseiling uh, down the House of Lords as the bill was being debated. And so they threw rope over this. I mean, our House of Lords is, I suppose, like the Senate. So big, tall, you know, seats in the gods, imagine the opera but without the music or the fun and literally abseiling down in front of all of these shocked members of the house of lords and staff mm. and it was a huge huge deal i was in the building at the time but you know all i can remember was the security running towards these women who were whooping and waving their fists in the the air repeal section 28 and they're, they're all being locked up and them not knowing what to do with mm. them. They didn't. So if they weren't all locked up because I looked this up. Some of them were let out, went off to the pub and tried to tell journalists that it had happened, but the journalists didn't believe that's it. True. They were just, that's mm. true. I think two or three of them were locked up, but either yeah. way, they, they really didn't know what to do. And eventually they came out and carried on drinking as lesbians traditionally do. <laughs> and that was brilliant. And the other piece of direct action, um, I think this is my favourite of all time, 
we were all doing lots of direct action at the time against the sex industry and male violence in general, but this was all focused on Section 28. Um, a group of women got found their way into the BBC as the live six o'clock news was being recorded. And pretty much everybody watched the six o'clock news at that time. Mm-hmm. And these two lesbians stormed the studio as I think it was Nicholas Witchell and Sue Lawley. Sue Lawley, yeah. That's right. Um, was reading the news and they were saying things like, oh my God, we've been invaded, we've been invaded. And one of the lesbians handcuffed herself to Sue Lawley's chair. It was superb, shouting repeal section 28. And so everybody, well, millions of people across the country saw this action, got to know what section 28 was. Mind you, I have to say, um, these same lesbians threatened action against gay news when gay news published a headline piece saying lesbians penetrate anti. Anti being the um, <laughs> colloquialism for the BBC. They went bonkers. <laughs> Heterosexual, <laughs> penetrative sex, spoiling our, you know, lesbian. Anyway. Oh, it, that's brilliant. It was. It well, was it, make, it makes sense that they would. It makes sense that they would go uh, abseiling in the House of Lords because they probably already had harnesses. <laughs> well, no, I no, not this lot. So, but they used a washing line. <laughs> Listen, not not this lot. The People's Republic of Judea meets the Judean People's Republic. These lesbians were not the sorts with no. the harness. Now, one of the well, tiny we don't know bit, for sure, do we? No, well, do no, we know do. them? Do. I, no, I know do. them. Okay, okay. But the one thing I was involved in was the storming of the ideal home exhibition which was in this huge center where you could go in and you could buy a new home and you could buy everything to go in it and there were all these constructed model homes and so we took banners in saying you know lesbians make the best families and down with section 28 whatever uh there were some great photographs of it um and we basically just hung out in this model home shouting slogans and waving at all of the uh, very shocked passers-by <laughs> who'd just gone in to buy a set of curtains and some blinds <laughs> and a new bathtub. <laughs> and then we were finally escorted out by the security, who I remember said to my friend Eve, he said, tell me something, how do you actually do it, you know, seeing as you haven't got the equipment? And I mean, obviously she hit him. But it occurred to me, if that happened today, we'd be able to say, well, actually, some do have the equipment because some lesbians have penises. But anyway, True. that was a great action. Apparently so. That was excellent. Have you so, ever... I'm curious, Julie, what do you think? When, when... Sorry, what? Go. Oh, I'm, I'm curious what you both think about, um, you know, I'll see these, especially in the UK, I'll see these photos and videos of these young people doing things like throwing soup on the Mona Lisa or whatever, mm-hmm. or gluing their hands yeah, yeah, to, the, yeah. mm-hmm. to the... Oh, well, yeah, I've experienced yeah, that myself. Yeah, you've experienced that. So um, I'm curious what you think about, because I look at that direction, I think, you fucking fools. Yeah. Um, but but well, when you're talking about this, mm-hmm. this sounds like great fun. Well, except for, I think that what the, um, what this, what is it, stop oil? I, I get just yeah. stop oil something like that. just, just stop, stop oil, oil. I, think is... I think it's more performance art than politics to be honest I mean you know mm-hmm. I I don't it, it doesn't what's the difference you... though what's the difference just to play devil's advocate 
Okay, that's a good question. I think that probably there are loads of narcissists who don't know what they're fighting for and they just want to virtue signal. That's the difference. Well, that's it's true that it's become much more. I mean, you, you're right, I'm sure, when you went into the Ideal Home um, exhibition that nobody knew what the fuck you were doing. Whereas now everybody has a kind of um, framework to put around direct action. They like understand it much better and they understand, and they can also instantly photograph it, put it on social media. So mm. I'm sure you're right. It attracts people who aren't doing it for the same sorts of reasons as you were. So that does seem like a, a difference. Why would you attack the Mona Lisa? Why would you do that? Why? What? I, I just don't get it. What we were doing with the Ideal Home exhibition was not smashing up the, you know, the new sets of blinds in the bathtubs. You know, we cost no one any money except for that little bit of extra security. But we were mm. making a point about how the home is, first of all, a site for, you know, violence against women and girls. It's the most dangerous place on the planet for women and girls. How dare you talk about lesbians and gay men having pretend families and not being legitimate as family members when actually, mm. you know, we do way better um, than, than our heterosexual counterparts. It was a message, not smashing up a piece of art that give people pleasure and that causes absolutely no problem whatsoever. I don't get it. Mm. I think, mm. I think I don't get it either. I think that what they would say is that they're bringing, you know, it's awareness. They're bringing attention to the cause. The thing is what it doesn't work because nobody, the same thing when people stop traffic in the streets, right. nobody's actually talking about climate change. When they throw soup on a painting, they're talking about these twats. Right. You know, it's, mm. it's not it's not effective at changing the conversation. The conversation does change. It changes into being about how stupid these kids are. Right. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think I think I agree. I mean, I definitely look at um, all of those protests and roll my eyes, particularly because they're always done by exact again, the same sort of young person, right. usually with a I was looking at the names of some just stop oil protesters and it's like poppy, indigo. You know, they've all got a sort of very middle class, upper middle class, um, independent school, girls school sort of names. Um, mm. Tabitha, you know, and yeah, yeah. Not, I mean, I, there's nothing wrong with that in a way, but it does show that it's it's um, not necessarily an organic kind of movement if it's just coming from a certain strata of society and a certain kind of and, and the female sex quite often, isn't it? It really is often females doing these things. Um for their own reasons, like we say. But I don't know. I just don't know what else. I mean, Julie, you have done more direct action, haven't you? You've done quite a lot, I believe. Mm. So I can't have, now because I mean... the, the the problem is now CCTV. Um, mm. I'd be in real trouble. <laughs> but I used to I used to love doing it. I mean, I, I I would get caught because I went out painting once. I ran out of spray paint, and so I went out painting the wall with lesbian liberation or something. Who knows why? And I got home and I thought I've done that. And again, it was before the internet was before CCTV, before smartphones. And then these coppers knocked on my door and I thought, how the hell have they found me? And then they pointed to the, you know, <laughs> footprints of paint leading to the door. Because <laughs> of course I'd spilled it. And I was taken down the nick with my paint, you know, laden trainers. So, you know, I mean, I, I did I did always enjoy doing it, but it didn't mean that I was ever that good at it. But I, I do think <laughs> it's the lifeblood of feminism. I'd love nothing more than standing with a placard outside the high court protesting some, you know, man who's got away with murder or rape yet again. I mean, it's great fun, but I tend not to do that on my own, mm -hmm. you know, like the, the the kind of placard guy or whatever his name is. You know, oh, we yeah. do it. We do Billboard it in groups. Chris. 
That's right. Billboard Chris. I'll never be Billboard Chris. But I I think he's great fun. And it does actually cause people to stop and ask what you're doing there. You can't stop the stop oil protesters and say, what are you doing? You'd get you'd get, you know, kind of paint in your face. Mm-hmm. But you know, I don't know. I think I don't think that's true. I mean, I think that they're probably going to bore you rigid with the reasons for what <laughs> they're doing. Frankly, I mean, well, if, <laughs> if you stop them, they would call you a turf. Well, that's true, that's and actually, true. there's a very close overlap between them and the people that would um, call me a turf. Obviously, so when I see a just off oil protest or a free Palestine protest, I'm like yeah. on extra high alert because it's exactly yeah. the same people. Intersectionality, yes. Can we can we just for fun talk about the cancellation that we have actually most enjoyed? Can, can, could you choose one, Katie or Kathleen, that has actually oh amused you as well as kind of? Well, I was amused by actually since we just talked about it. The girl, uh, sorry, non-binary person, um, gluing herself. Oh, oh God! <laughs> I do this when I'm hungover. Uh, to the floor <laughs> or to the table. I mean, that was funny um when did you do really that? good pictures uh, when I, I went I did a debate at Oxford um and there was a protest outside but then um this person and a couple of others were in the chamber and then as once I started speaking they leapt up um kind of half embarrassed two of them they really were like it was very half-hearted but they and they started throwing leaflets around and ran out and then this one person came and sat down in front of me got some super glue out very laboriously <laughs> glued their hand put glue on their hand and put it on the floor um <laughs> and then for the next half an hour so five policemen came in with body cams <laughs> and uh talked amongst themselves and then talked to this person about I don't know what they were saying but it was all very very polite and obviously they were treating it like a mental health episode I think um and then eventually they got some solvent out and very, very carefully unglued their hand and carted them off. Um, but by this point, it was a sort of carnival atmosphere in the chamber. Like people were just like booing this person and shouting, get on with it. And, you know, it was getting more and more hilarious. Everybody was having a nice time. Um, it was it was quite fun. It was, yeah, the, it was the least painful experience I've had. Okay, so I guess there's there's a recent one that I've been enjoying. I just saw this today. So are you familiar with Syra Rao? No, I think so. Okay, so this is an American woman. She's uh, Indian American. I think she's uh, probably second generation American. And she uh, she does not like white people. She's very, very explicit about this. She ran for Congress in Denver or in Colorado. She lost. And she now, she hosts what's, what is called Race to Dinner, where uh, she actually, Helen Lewis interviewed her for uh, for her. I've seen her, it. Yes. Oh, so, oh so she please. She gets these, these guilty white women to <laughs> pay her thousands of dollars to go to their home. And she has this dinner. I'm sure they cater it, not her. And she basically braids them for their whiteness. Oh, and if Jesus. they cry, then the struggles, then she braids them even harder. And so she was, and she is very explicit. She is, she's racist against white people. She's very explicit about this. And uh-huh. she was dropped by her agency uh, recently because of her, she says it was because of her 
pro-Palestinian activism. They say it's because of her anti-Semitism. Uh, I will let the the, the viewer judge. Um, and so that one is sort of fun. And also because she enjoys it. She loves it. This makes yeah. her get to claim that she's been oppressed. Um, so I've been mm-hmm. I've been liking that one. Um, yeah. You know, it the, is interesting, the... don't you think that um the I the the people that persecute all of us have managed to get away with it pretty much scot free, whatever they've done to us. Mm-hmm. But now they're all a lot of them are coming out saying things on social media that are now meaning that they're suddenly nobody knows quite what to do anymore because they seem to be saying things that are uh, anti-Semitic or pro Hamas. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm enjoying watching. I mean, there's, there's nothing really very enjoyable about the Israel Palestine situation, obviously, but if I had to take one thing (laughs) that I somewhat enjoyed, it's watching this uh, so-called community uh, split yep, in this yeah. way, watching it happen and seeing them experience I, just a little bit of what we've, what they've put us through. Exactly. And I saw, yeah. you know, here in Toronto, apparently, I'm going to go out and find it later on. There's some huge banner on some building or other. I think it's a university building with no trans liberation or, or, or un- what is it? No trans liberation is possible until Palestinian liberation. It's like trans for Palestine. We've got the queers hell? for Palestine. We've also got uh, homos no under the hammer. Have you seen that? Homos under the hammers. Hamas. Oh, so we've got, oh, my God. We, so we've got this really popular TV program that goes out in an afternoon, Homes Under the Hammer, where you can auction for a home, Katie. It's brilliant fun, right? And somebody has got a picture of the virtue signaling men that are doing all this queers for Palestine, calling it homos under the Hamas. I mean, I had to laugh. <laughs> These people are batshit crazy. What is going on? They are crazy. They are crazy. Um, yeah. I also enjoyed, I don't know if this one counts as an actual cancellation, but do you remember when Grace Lavery debated to agree to debate? Was it one of you? Who did Grace? It was, it was, Helen, it was Helen. Helen Joyce. Joyce. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if it was canceled, but Grace got dogpiled by uh by by her friends for oh, that. I really? Did, I, did enjoy I that didn't. Content. Yeah. Because I'm, and then, I'm and blocked then... on every channel by them, so yeah. I missed that. And then and then and then was um, you know, compelled to to make a statement, uh, canceling the debate. Ah, one day I will go public. In fact, maybe I'll just go public now um, with the fact that Lavery, who I really do struggle, I'm afraid to um, refer to as would be preferred because this person called me so much much grief. But Lavery uh, used to write to me really long, uh, friendly, some, you know, with my even flirty letters uh trying to be my pal and uh sending me yeah. once um sent me an article that they'd just written called the king's two anuses and um oh. he might be mm-hmm. of interest to me i must read and, that and i think that shows yeah. the the first the veracity of what i'm saying because there's no way i could come up with that as a name for an academic paper but oh, um, no. well that yeah, is used something. to write to me and used to say that we should just, we should collaborate and they, they'd never had so many clicks as when they'd written about me and blah, blah, blah. so you know yeah Lavery, Lavery sent some very friendly emails to me and um, I was supposed to debate him and he actually was doing this Helen Joyce is, is too extreme whereas you're reasonable I thought this was hilarious mm, yes yeah, and then of course yeah it's very 
<laughs> he obviously didn't know you. <laughs> Absolutely hilarious and had to, in the end, you know, cowtail to, to his trans siblings. But my favourite one, I think, I'm sorry to be an arc, but it, it was a, a, a cancellation of me. But it's very amusing because it was a retrospective cancellation. Mm-hmm. In 2018, I went to Australia to do a book tour, my book on prostitution, nothing to do with the trans issue. And we had this packed event, sellout event at Readings Bookstore in Melbourne. And it was a great night. There were all sorts of people there from elderly men, young men and women, everyone in between, lesbians, feminists, the whole lot. Sold loads of books. So made plenty of money for the bookstore. Had a nice Q&A. And then just over two years later, beginning of 2021, Juno Dawson, a trans-identified male, was debating with some non-binary person, not debating rather, doing an online event for readings um, together. And the non-binary person was hosting this. And they then said to the manager of readings, unless you apologise for hosting Julie Bindle in 2018, we're not doing the event. So um, the manager then put out an apology for upsetting the trans community, and for hosting me and how terrible apologies for any hurt caused. So my publisher out in Australia went berserk because they had a good relationship with readings, loads of business their way, said Bamatry of Bindle. So the manager apologised for apologising. I then sent an email saying this is a fucking disgrace. And he got so annoyed that he apologised for apologising for the apology (laughs) and apologised all over again. Fancy actually putting out a statement <laughs> retrospectively cancelling someone. I mean, please. Yeah, well, once you're in that game of apologising, then it's never going to stop. There's no end to the things that you have mm-hmm. done or will do or, you know, could possibly exactly. atone for. Never yeah. apologise. Yeah. No. Nesting doll of apologies. Yeah. Yep, never works. On a less controversial note, we were going to talk about, we were going to ask Katie about um, lesbian chefs. Oh, yeah. So um, mm. there's this program in, in the UK called MasterChef. In fact, I think it's become, uh, it's also in Australia, and I don't know if there's a version in America. But um, it's very popular over here. It started off as an amateur cooking show, and now there's a professional MasterChef version where they have um, young chefs basically compete against each other uh, to do you know artichokes three ways oh look the balloons are back what is going on with the balloons <laughs> but I thought they only did balloons when they thought it was somebody's birthday is it because I'm so upset that I missed your birthday I, Kathleen I don't know I know what it is <laughs> I'm really glad on. that you two are seeing this because I would think yeah. that I was having some sort of like mental <laughs> psychotic break that could still be the case <laughs> yeah, it could be. Anyway, let's get back to the. Um, it's not going to be very good for people listening only on audio, but so maybe we should explain that every now and again some balloon, <laughs> balloons appear on Julie's screen. And what float color are they? They're kind they're of all different colors. Yeah, yeah. They're not just pink and blue. They're every color of the rainbow flag, yeah. people. Well, they are. Yeah. yeah, maybe someone's hacked us. Yeah, it's not just a gender send reveal. Send us a sign. Oh, a gender reveal. Yeah, a gender reveal party for the three of <laughs> us. So, okay, so um, we watch, Julie and I obsessively watch MasterChef, don't we? You do, don't you? I, I watch it. Every I've watched it every year for 20 years. Um, and everyone, I never remember thing ordinary, about it, but... yeah, ordinary MasterChef for ordinary people that, that are home cooks. 
professional one, a celebrity, celebrity one. Master Chef. Yeah. I still kind of hope that one of you, that, well, you, Julie, will get on to Celebrity Master Chef. That would be amazing. I can't bake. Has, oh. has Jack Monroe ever been on this? Well, uh, we're going to get no. to that. She hasn't. Are we? <laughs> okay. I think we have to. I'll, I'll well, tell we're you gonna why try in a and bit. Stay, this is our less controversial segment. <laughs> I thought, anyway. Never. There's no <laughs> such thing. I've Come already on. written a horrible, well, not horrible, but a rather um, critical article about Jack Monroe once, which apparently upset her. But or oh, them or whatever. I could tell whatever. you more. I'm not going it. to. <laughs> I did enjoy it too. But um, okay, so. Uh, we have lesbians. noticed lesbians. There's a lot of lesbians in in master in professional master chef. There really are, like disproportionately. Mm. There was Verity this season who got knocked out after um, doing that thing that Scottish uh, Scottish contestants always do, don't they, Julie? Of like saying that they're really proud of the national produce, and then they cook something with venison, and then they make cranachan as a pudding and, or whatever. And it's shit. It's shit. Extremely boring. I'm sorry to. I am from Scotland, so I feel I can say this, but it's so boring to do that. Anyway, she got knocked out, and then there's this now that's still in it is Molly. I hope nobody's watching on catch up and is hoping we wouldn't spoil it for them. But Molly's still in, and Molly's from Leeds and is a real character, isn't she? She really is. I think you once described her as the George Formby of MasterChef. <laughs> Sorry, Kathleen, but all bets are off. You know, you didn't tell me that was off the record. I so did. <laughs> I don't hope you know. I don't know who George Foreman is. They'll be googling George Foreman. Oh no, not George Foreman. George Foreman, like ukulele. Um, mm. Not George early... Foreman with the sandwich uh, machine and yeah, six sons called George. No, 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 no. Leaning on a lamppost, George. On I think he names his daughter's George as well. <laughs> Anyway, Molly, I love Molly. Um, Me and too. That was entirely affectionate what I said. Um, but we then we were discussing like why are there so disproportionately um, why are lesbians represented um, in in the chefing community? What what do we think about that? I'm not really sure. I I know. I mean, I would think that it's because. Chefs, although home cooking does not tend to be a thought of as masculine, restaurants are where, at least mm -hmm. in, the, in the U.S., restaurants do tend to be sort of a masculine environment. I think we can generalize and say yep. lesbians are probably more likely to be masculine than straight mm -hmm. women. Not all, of course. I have particular mm -hmm. affection for the ones who aren't. Um, but <laughs> but I think that's probably part of it. Uh, a comfort around men, maybe, in a way that that, mm -hmm. that heterosexual women don't have, at least in a platonic way. Um, mm -hmm. And lesbians are, of course, good with their hands. Oh, I never thought of that. We knew Katie would bring a new edge to this, didn't we? Because <laughs> we wouldn't have thought of that one, to be fair, because we're Brits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's... Hopefully that's the reason we wouldn't have thought of it. Yeah. <laughs> that's but, um, a good theory. That is a good theory. I mean, I look I actually looked up on the internet. I asked the internet and they did say, yeah, one of the guys, um, it's easier if you're butch to or at least some some women just feel like they want to be with in male male dominated environments because they're more comfortable mm. there. Um yeah. although they there was also descriptions of discrimination um i'm not sure that it's always easy to, well, that easy to be accepted sexual assault um sexual harassment maybe lesbians feel that they're kind of exempt from that if they're saying i'm not interested in you dude 
Mm. Who knows? But it, it's a bit like the army. I mean, professional mm. chefing is like the army. I think it's really the same across the pond, Katie. Mm-hmm. You know, our kitchens are sites of huge machismo. Things mm-hmm. are changing a little bit, um, but it's really bad. And I know that um, Jen Ag, who's a really famous chef and restaurateur here in Canada, mm-hmm. um, she's written a book um, which features heavily. She's not a lesbian, but a lot of people wanted to be. She, about mm-hmm. the kind of you know, sexist culture within, well, misogynistic culture within the kitchen. But but some of the chefs that in Britain that are assumed to be lesbians is because some lesbians want them to be lesbians. Am I right? Mm-hmm. Oh, there's yeah. a couple. I mean, yeah. yeah. I was Even though there's a couple that... Um, yeah. Spill. Sorry. Name names. Spill, Kathleen. Come on. I'm not going to name be- names, but there is a couple of... Um, of- well-known celebrity chefs in Monica Galetti. I just Monica Galetti, Nigella yeah, well, Lawson. But they're ma- <laughs> Nigella. Hell, no. Hell listen, listen. All a woman needs to suspect somebody is a lesbian is to fancy her, and yes. it, it's not my cup. Well, Monica is gorgeous. But I she met is Monica. Married to a man. I met Monica. Mm-hmm. I've met Monica. Why is this a euphemism? I've met Monica. <laughs> Stop saying you've met Monica. I met her, but it was really boring. I ate at her restaurant. She came around and she met everybody on all the tables and said, hi, did you enjoy uh, your dinner? So that was all I got. Monica but you know looks that... like a stunning dyke, but she is not. Yeah, mm. she's, she's married to a man. And she's one of the best chefs on the planet. There is a lesbian chef, though. Speaking of Jack Monroe, she's not a chef by anyone's standard. Or a lesbian. Or a lesbian. Indeed, they, them, he, him. Who knows? Mm. Fuck that. I think she is a lesbian, according to our definitions. But anyway, well, she was in a relationship with oh, my it was some wealthy woman. Oh, shut up! Channel, Channel Four. Oh, um, oh no, she, she was, yeah, she was in a lesbian. Uh, sorry, a relationship with Allegra with um, with Allegra, Allegra, Allegra Stra- not Stratton right. McEvity. Yeah, yeah, and and she, and Allegra, um, you know, is a bit of a girl. Let me tell you that. I was at an event once, a big lesbian and gay event, and she said something so highly sexually inappropriate to me mm. that I was actually embarrassed and quite disturbed and had to walk away. So sue me, Allegra, because you know it happened. And then, of course, she got together Don't with sue her. <laughs> she got together with Jack Monroe. She's got no chance. And uh, and of course, they had then an idyllic relationship where they were in love and it was love like no other love. And then, of course, in the true lesbian tradition, they split up quite of soon course. afterwards. So mm. so she's the only lesbian chef that I know of that has quite a name for being a lesbian and a chef. But she she opened some restaurant that is known. Who, Allegra or Jack? Allegra. Okay. She opened a restaurant called Blackfoot, which was focused all on pork produce. So charcuterie, anything to do with pig, she sold it. And Jack Monroe would sit at the bar of Blackfoot. I remember this. And do you remember what she said about the clams? No, I don't know. She no. said she would send me clams from the kitchen that looked like clitorises. I mean, please. And would would Jack then wash the sauce off of them and then reuse them in her recipes? <laughs> I mean, pro- no, she would open a tin. <laughs> With a knife. <laughs> This is a reference for anyone that doesn't know to the fact Jack Monroe, who's a British um, celebrity cook, um, wrote this cookbook <laughs> um, called Thrifty Kitchen, which I did review. Um, and it was chronic. Has, it's very. It's got some very strange <laughs> tips. Basically, in in a quest to kind of 
um, help people save money, she suggested, for instance, if you want to fry your egg in a perfect circle, as <laughs> I'm sure lots of people do, um, you should, uh, was it saw a tin can in half? Was that yeah. right? You should saw yeah, a tin right. can, cut a section <laughs> out of a tin can, um, avoiding all the, the jaggy bits and uh, <laughs> scraps of metal dust and then use this. And this was more thrifty than going and spending like 25p on a circular egg ring, apparently. Or just eating your eggs in whatever shape they come in. Yeah, exactly. There were other things too. I mean, I remember she had this whole thing about ring pools, um, putting ring pools on the underside of your kitchen counter so that you can uh, hang things on it. Um, (laughs) I'm crazy. One of them was take take a, a tin of... Like uh, what would the equivalent? Big beans? Was it big beans? Big beans. It was a pot, like a noodle. It's so oh, like spaghetti like, hoops. Spaghetti, yeah, spaghetti. Oh hoops. my god, yeah. It was alphabetti spaghetti, even. What? And wash the, the yeah. sauce. Wash <laughs> the sauce. No, no. Re- wash the sauce off, but keep it, and then reduce it into oh, some sort dog. of thick. Uh, you know, please, Kathy. Uh, it's... Yeah, it's making <laughs> me feel the morning sli- here, and slightly. I've had no uh, breakfast. No, I know. I'm oh. I'm feeling delicate myself. This um, is grim. But, yeah, you know, absolutely nuts. But there are some really nice um, restaurants here in Toronto, which I'm hoping to get to. But this, mm-hmm. you know, I, I cannot find a lesbian uh, chef. I cannot find a lesbian proprietor anywhere in Toronto. Mean? Where are really? they? Really? Well, are you I'm looking? Been, I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm Googling I'm sure like crazy. Are. I'm asking all my friends. And, and they don't call saying, themselves a lesbian anymore, maybe. That's the part of the problem. Okay, yeah. I'll change my search term. Queer restaurateurs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that'll get it. That'll do that'll it. Okay. That'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you like cooking, Katie? I'm I'm a really terrible cook, but my wife is quite good. So I uh so I get sort of the best of both worlds where I get to eat very well, but I don't have to cook anything myself. Um yeah, mm. she's she's really a, really quite an excellent, excellent cook. Oh. And do you have to do something in compensation for this? Yes, I pay for everything. Okay. That, that sounds it. about right. That sounds like my house, actually. Although yeah. I have to say that that my so my partner changes light bulbs. She what she once went away to the Galapagos for two weeks and I chose to stay at home. And I literally sat in the dark in the living in the room. Dark. For two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I brought a well, lamp can... down from the study. <laughs> What plans do we have going forward on a lesbian sense? What lesering yeah. are we all going to be doing? Oh, well, and I'm also a bathroom. Well, that's oh, wow. Great, but... You win. You win. Well, are you grouting? Uh, so here's the thing. I am, again, useless. So my wife will be doing all of it, but I will, again, be paying for it. Uh, so I will watch her. I will watch her her remodel the bathroom. We we bought this house, a fixer upper, thinking that I'd been watching a bunch of YouTubes on like how to be a DIY queen, and I thought I can do this. It turns out mm-hmm. I can't. I have no Did you interest try? in that whatsoever. No, no I didn't, didn't try. try. <laughs> no, I didn't. We got there. I saw a hammer, and I thought none for me, thanks. Um, so so she's doing all the remodeling while I sit back and watch. Um, but I I, I do think that counts as very gay. Oh yeah, it sounds as very alpha as well. Like just mm-hmm. sit back and watch somebody do your work for you. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, okay. I, I exactly. like the idea of that. But you know, we often get men in. I think that you know, lesbian plumbers, like the ones that um, are in the lesbian and left lefty hippie haven of a place in Yorkshire, Katie called Hebden Bridge, or is it Todmorden next door to it? Anyway, there's a lesbian uh, plumbing business called Stopcocks. Mm-hmm. I mean, isn't that mm. just the best that you've ever heard? Mm-hmm. 
but yeah, that's good but if you get if you get um tradeswomen in like to do your removals or to do any of that kind of work you have to listen to them talk about their period pains and their heartbreak from splitting up with their lovers <laughs> I mean it's just too much we just get men in it's easier <laughs> and pay them less so what, what are you doing that's lesbian then Julie I'm lezering. I am lezering, high lezering around Toronto. I'm interviewing young lesbians who've detransitioned, young lesbians who are quite queer identified, old lesbians in their 80s who were around, you know, the beginning of the second wave and who are going to tell me about all the lesbian bars that they used to go to and all of the kind of lesbian events. And yeah, I'm doing book research. So I'm on the leather trail. But interestingly, you know, I emailed lots and lots of these kind of LGBTQQIA Two Spirit Plus groups before I came and said, could we talk? I'm really interested in meeting with you. And I didn't get any replies. Do you think there's something wrong with my email? Mm, I think so. so. They probably didn't get it. I hear the internet connections in Canada are slow. Yeah, actually, there is no internet in Toronto. Somebody told me that as well. Tell us before, before, before we have to leave you, Katie, I want to hear about your dog, Moose, because, you know, Moose has got some serious fans. I mean, Moose is really top dog, except for my dog. My dog, Maisie, is rivaling Moose. But tell us, because Kathleen is a cat lesbian. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. What's with the picture I, of the, you and the cat then on your WhatsApp well, I, thing? Because I, I, a cat was imported into my life via mm. a relationship, but I was not a cat mm. person before that. And then grudgingly, it was like some sort of rom-com over several years. Uh, the cat wore me down. Yeah, um, I've got and, it, and fortunately it yeah. died and um, I was absolutely oh, devastated. I'm but, sorry. Um, Cats I'm are not, I was a dog person. I had dogs when I was a kid. Oh, so, so we're all dog lesbians then. Mm, Katie, tell sense. us about Moose because he's a handsome boy, isn't yeah, he? He is. He's the only man in my life. Um, he is, uh, and he's full man. He has he has his testicles. He still um, has. Do them? you do? He does. He is. Yes. You know, people ask me if I were a parent if I would, you know, let my kid take puberty blockers. <laughs> I won't even let my dog. I love. I love that. <laughs> I love that comparison. But then you wouldn't oh, let your. This is going to be the best leg, though, would you either? So I don't let like, my dog what? on my leg either. Um, you know, yeah, how do you stop him? Best. He doesn't. He's just he. You know, he is. I I often say this. He, well, a he has a pretty low sex drive. Thank God. I think that's probably because he's around women all the time. Um, but he, mm. if you, if reincarnation exists, I want to be reincarnated as the only dog of two childless lesbians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has the most fabulous life. He has seen. He's seen probably 25 states. Mm-hmm. He is, uh, you know, the, I drive across the country, across the United States, big country. I drive across this country twice a year, at least, so I can take the dog with me on vacation. Yeah. It's, it's disgusting. It's truly disgusting. But it's understandable. I mean, my dog, somebody called me, an editor called me the other day, and I said without thinking, I can't talk. I'm just taking the dog into hydrotherapy. I mean, seriously, <laughs> she's she's got she's got arthritis. She's 16 and a half. She oh, goes wow. to hydrotherapy. We're all creaking around and not yeah. having time to go to the doctors and all the rest of it. The dog has the best life ever. Maisie, yeah. there's going to be a photo of her in the show notes and of Moose. And oh, Kathleen, good. I hope you get another dog soon. Well, no, I'm definitely not getting a dog because I've seen what happens to people like you too. Oh, right. You can't okay. leave the country, yeah. can you? So yeah, it's, yeah, it's I cannot leave that. the country. I can't leave the country. No, I mean, you're all right because you live in a massive, great country where there's lots of variation, right. but I'm, I 
that I'm definitely not getting a dog. But Julie, your dog um is famous, isn't it? Because uh, well, she I mean, is. it's famous to all your friends, but it's famous internationally because oh. um of it it what was it? Maisie looked did an impression of me. Well, Maisie like, won. This is Diana. Well, Maisie won a lucky likey <laughs> competition. So back in 2000 and I think 10, 11, there was this big fundraiser for Pride Month. Or is it the holy year of Pride? I can't remember now. And Mm -hmm. I saw that they were actually asking dog owners to enter their dogs into this looky likey. And Maisie won because she looks so much like Princess Diana. (laughs) And she's got those eyes where, you know, in that interview that Princess Diana did, there are three of us in that marriage. That's Maisie when you're not stroking her. But the thing is, (laughs) she only won because Jackie Collins didn't turn up. Right. There were only two of them in the heat. However, (laughs) it was published in The Guardian and they had so many complaints because accidentally it was published on what would have been Princess Diana's birthday. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) I think she'd have been she'd have been happy with that. Was she alive at the time? She so was not alive because (laughs) remember, so she she died in in what was it, 1998 or. Oh, yeah. yeah. Whenever. And this was like a 10 years, 12 years mm-hmm. later. But we thought a respectful kind of gap of time had passed. And then when I took Maisie to the park, she was literally paparazzied. There were people coming up to her saying, is that <laughs> the dog that was in the paper that looks like Princess Diana? Then all of a sudden, her work dried up. There were no more supermarkets to open. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she, Maisie was cancelled too. Cancelled. Yeah. She was, oh. yeah. They found out she's a turf. Thank you so much, Katie, for being with us. That was excellent. And uh, yeah. I hope you have a brilliant rest of the week, lezering in whatever you, yeah. well, in sitting back and watching your wife uh, yeah. strip the bathroom. It's well, been great fun. Yeah, so it's great to talk to you both. Good luck with the show. Yeah, thank you. Thanks so, Thanks much. so much. And see you soon.